it's absurd that we have all of these regulatory bodies, the EPA, the DEA, the FDA, and yet we are being poisoned with our groundwater, with our food supply, and then only being offered meds and surgery as the only possible solution. And so it's a broken system. And I just want to do my part to contribute to fixing it in whatever way I can. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host, Delaney McGuire. Here on the show, we're all about products and people who make an impact. We explore the intersection of technology, wellness, entrepreneurship, venture capital, anything that has to do with how do we scale our ability to create a ton of income, but also positive impact in the world. Let's make the world a better place and make a ton of money while doing so and make sure that we don't get our jobs taken by robots and end up being homeless. That's what we're looking to achieve on this channel. And today we're going to explore that through Dr. Lindsay Elmore. Lindsay has worn a million hats in her life. I can't even pretend to read you her entire bio she sent me because it's like three pages long because she's accomplished so many fascinating things. And in the episode, we jump through all of them and it's a fantastic, fantastic episode. Lindsay, at the highest level, she has built a very large personal brand. Her podcast has nearly a million downloads. She has a very large social platform and she's a wellness expert. She's very passionate about helping people understand environmental toxicity, uh, the risks of just modern health, and how do we actually create a really strong core of health within ourselves so that we can live our fullest lives. And that really resonates with me, especially all the work we're doing with NoTox, our mobile app that helps people remove toxins from their home environment, uh, and just some of the other ventures that I've had throughout my life. So it was a really great conversation. We'll dive in in a moment here, but I will read you a few of Lindsay's credentials just so you get the picture. Lindsay is a board-certified pharmacist. She is a functional medicine clinician, a speaker, author, entrepreneur, yoga teacher, and world-renowned wellness expert. There's so much more to say about her, but I'm going to let her speak for herself because she is a wealth of knowledge. Everybody, welcome Dr. Lindsay Elmore. Lindsay, welcome to the show. So grateful to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. I will just introduce you to our audience, but I would love to hear from you. Why don't you just give us a little bit of background on yourself? What, you know, what does your career look like? What are some of your highlights you're most proud of? And what are you excited about today? Sure. So I am originally from Birmingham, Alabama. I have a degree in chemistry. I have a doctorate in pharmacy. And then I did two years of postdoctoral work, one year in internal medicine. So just the normal stuff that sends you to the hospital, heart attacks and strokes and COPD exacerbations, et cetera. And then I worked one year in primary care, in ambulatory care, chronic disease management, et cetera. And throughout pharmacy school, I had an interesting journey because I tore my ACL during my first year of pharmacy school, which introduced me to the chiropractor, which introduced me to the acupuncturist, which introduced me to the concepts of Chinese medicine, which led me to go down an integrative wellness path and really started to learn as much about supplements as I knew about medications. And, and I kept trying to learn more about herbs and different practices of medicine. I had some friends that were Gujarati and introduced me to the concepts of Ayurvedic medicine. I had never known any of this was a thing. I also was living right by one of the university gyms. So I started to get exposed 
yoga in addition to weightlifting and all of the more conventional exercises. And so fast forward a few years, I got to my final straw in my pharmacy practice because I just recognized that I wasn't helping, that I was contributing to a problem instead of contributing to a solution. I was giving people band-aids instead of trying to figure out why are you actually sick to begin with? What is actually going on? And so I had it in my heart that I really wanted to leave the formal practice of pharmacy and ended up getting a job with a multi-billion dollar supplement and personal care and essential oil company worked for them for a long time, which helped to expand my understanding of social media, how to build on social media, really transformed my life as far as travel goes, and just introduced me to a lot more about government regulations, regulatory, all of the things. And so that sparked a special interest in pharmacy law. And I'm I've spent a lot of time learning from some very smart people on my podcast, and it has really brought me to this point where, okay, I need to do more than just, so it's almost like my career went, learn about all the alternative stuff, teach about all the alternative stuff, find out about just how bleak the American healthcare system is. And now I'm moving into an era where I'm like, okay, I must work to transform this in whatever way I can. And so I have pursued my functional medicine certificate recently and am currently accepted into a diplomat in pharmacy law program. So just really all of my horizons to ultimately get to the end of my life and say, did I contribute in some way? towards the regulation of drug pricing in the United States, or did I contribute in some way in ensuring that peer-reviewed publications are truthful, ethical, and truly test the hypothesis of, is your product safe and effective? Because I don't think people know that We have no governmental oversight in drug pricing in this country, and we also have very poor oversight into what is considered to be the gold standard in pharmacy research, that peer-reviewed placebo-controlled trial. It's almost laughable at this point. And that has been my career. I also happen to have an affiliation with network marketing. I've been working in network marketing for a long time. And so I know the good, the bad, and the evil of all of that industry as well have worked at the very highest levels in both corporate as well as a field salesperson. So I know that's a career that just happened. You know what I mean? And so it never was something I intended to do, but I'm so grateful for the lessons that I've learned through it because when you are in a sales distribution channel for supplements, you learn a lot about how that is regulated and how do we do that ethically. And it also teaches tons about the business end of, okay, so you're bringing all this, you're bringing money in, but what is it actually going towards? And so 
I have so many years of experience in media production. I grew up and I I wanted to be an actress and a singer. And my mother was just like, no, you're going to get a real job. And so ultimately, I know you have a lot of techies on the show. Ultimately, I just used my platform to find a way to make science performance. And that's what I've done my whole career. And it's just led me in a whole bunch of different directions. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I feel like it's very, you definitely have a unique breadth of interests and passions and expert like expertises that come together. So I'm honestly just very excited to dig into this with you a little bit. I'm genuinely curious. So the audience that you built, I stumbled across your Instagram page. I see you have a pretty big platform there hearing about some of these other passions where it comes to the regulation of drug pricing or being able to hold some of these people that are publishing studies accountable. Is there an overlap there with your social media audience or is it like, because for me, but most people who build a personal brand, a lot of the stuff they're communicating are things that are very relevant to individuals. I'm curious, like how do those things interplay? Are people, are, is a lot of the content you're creating around these things or is it really just not even that connected and just like part of your overall umbrella of wellness? It's connected. And the greatest thing about having a personal brand is that your brand gets to change as you change. And so whereas somebody might have started following me five years ago because I'm going to teach them about an essential oil, they're continuing to follow me because here's what I think makes me fundamentally different from most healthcare providers. I don't want to use all natural. And I don't want to use all Western. I want to use the best of both, right? And so I have this very moderate opinion about medications, about supplements, about vaccines, about herbs, about laser devices, about all the medical devices mm -hmm. as well. I just have a very moderate opinion. And yeah. as much as politics tries to convince us that we want the extreme. And as much as social media algorithms are built for the extreme, ultimately what we want truly in life is somebody who can say, okay, if you're going to make a healthcare decision, how do you know all of your options, understand them? And so that can look different for different people, but people love learning about medications for me. I have that opinion of if you're going to use them, let's be sure they're safe, effective, and appropriately priced. That's all I'm saying. And I have the exact same opinion when it comes to supplements. If you're going to use a St. John's wart, somebody better be warning you that there are major drug interactions that can mm. be dangerous with this supplement. And so... I just try to keep everything really down to earth. And I also really want to spread the news because most people that do research into the pharmaceutical industry, they're old stodgy men, right? And nobody wants to listen to old stodgy men. And I just <laughs> say that with the utmost respect. I absolutely adore the research that they've done. And they freely admit that they are old stodgy men. And so I don't think that there are enough people like me who have social media platforms, have a podcast, have a voice that people, you know, they, it's a, such an honor. People listen to me. And one of the things I want people to hear from me is that in the United States, we spend in excess of $2.3 trillion a year on health care to live six fewer years compared to all of other wealthy nation. 
We also have an opportunity if we will bring drug prices within 20% of every other wealthy nation in the world where governments have oversight on drug pricing, we would save half a, we would see faith. We would save $500 billion annually on drug expenditures. I don't think people truly understand just how ripped off Americans are getting. And this is a uniquely American problem because we've literally written it into legislation that the government has no oversight over drug pricing. Another way that this content like flows with my social media is I teach people how data gets manipulated with statistics, right? Because mm. pharmacists are really excellent interpreters of drug research. It's like literally what we're built for and memorize like an acumen of drug research. So I teach people how the media distorts, like, for example, with the with the Ascot trial, which is one of the quintessential studies that got Lipitor to market. OK, and so what they saw was and I'm going to I'm going to mess up these numbers a little bit, you guys, but go with me. So there's a difference in drug research and something called an absolute risk reduction and a relative risk reduction. The absolute risk reduction is what was the risk in the placebo group? What was the risk in the intervention group? Okay, you just subtract that. That's your absolute risk reduction. Your relative risk reduction is where you take the, the placebo group, subtract out your intervention group, and then you divide by the baseline risk. So you divide by your placebo group, okay? Here's the problem with that. When you just subtract in the ASCOT trial, it was about a 1.2% difference between the two groups, 1% different, okay, in who had heart attacks and strokes. And if you then take that absolute risk reduction and divide by your baseline risk, it turns a 1% risk reduction into a 36% risk reduction. And that was what was on all of the splashy ads. And I think a lot of Americans have been listening to the media over the past few years in our post-COVID days. And the media is saying the vaccines that we have are 98% effective, 99% effective. And the question I beg is at doing what? At doing what? Because we have to know what was the key question? What was the hypothesis of the study? Okay. Then the next question you have to ask, is this an absolute risk reduction or is this a relative risk reduction? Another way that this all ties in, everybody, like true crime is an American pastime. And mm -hmm. the fact that the pharmaceutical industry has such a longstanding criminal history, that's also entertaining to talk about and keep people aware of. For example, I'm willing to bet some of your listeners are on a medication or know somebody who's on a medication called Singular. It's also known as Montelukast is the generic version of it. Okay, Singular, super common drug. Did you know that Merck just got sued because they arguably, allegedly knew for at least 10 years that this medication caused suicidal ideation in children? And they just didn't tell us. They just didn't tell us. Didn't tell us. And so that, to me, is just so criminal. And the worst part is 
the companies make so much money and are subsidized by so much of our tax money that there's no financial penalties you can give them that hurt. There's nothing you can do that will hurt them. You look at the Johnson & Johnson settlement, 15,000 women died because of exposure to Johnson & Johnson's talcum powder. And what did they do? They paid a $9 billion fine, just shoved it away. And then their attorneys had the audacity to go back and sue the four researchers who did the research to show that this product was carcinogenic to save women's lives. They turned around and sued them. It's one of the most outrageous political legal maneuvers that I've ever seen in medical research. And so there's a lot to talk about that is critical to the survival of our democracy. And that's what I want to convey. The pharmaceutical industry cannot purchase the American democracy without like us just turning a blind eye to it. And so I just want to keep this conversation going. Of, this is an industry like any other that needs to be regulated, right? It's not outrageous to say the oil and gas industry should probably be regulated, right? Food. Wouldn't it be nice if food manufacturing was regulated better in this country so that we didn't have carcinogens in our food? Monitoring more glyphosate levels. Yes. Can we not allow DuPont to just dump forever chemicals into our water supply for 30 years before we go, hey, DuPont, could you guys just stop doing that? Like, it's absurd that we have all of these regulatory bodies, the EPA, the DEA, the FDA, and yet we are being poisoned with our groundwater, with our food supply, and then only being offered meds and surgery as the only possible solution. And so it's a broken system. And I just want to do my part to contribute to fixing it in whatever way I can. I love that. I have to imagine, honestly, that in hearing you articulate that, that, that your audience and the people who have been following you, like probably a lot of your growth has come from being able to be that bridge for people because the media consuming this stuff, if you don't have the type of technical background that you have understanding this stuff, you can be manipulated so easily and not even on purpose. Media outlet picks up that 36, 37%, communicates it out in a funny like meme format or something, and then you just take it as news and you take it as fact. I feel like it's more important now than ever to have voices who are like the Andrew Huberman's, the people who are like breaking down these things in a way where you can really trust them to be that bridge so you can actually make better informed decisions that aren't just having some extra agenda attached to them. If we're going to use medications, if we're going to use supplements, if we're going to use alternative medical devices, let's do it safely and effectively. I love that. Very cool. I'm just genuinely curious because you have so much going on. Look, checked out your website before we did this recording. Like you offer a lot of things and it seems like you're passionate about so many aspects of health. I'm really curious, just like where you're at today. What is your, like, how are you using this platform you built? Like, what are your biggest channels right now for like the way you create revenue as a company? What are you most excited about? What is getting the most traction for you as a wellness entrepreneur? I think I'm a master of all the revenue streams. It's nothing for me to be getting like 200 bucks from here and a thousand bucks from there. And so that is a like big takeaway for anybody who's an entrepreneur listening to this. Monetize everything, right? Monetize everything. And I make most of my money through affiliate marketing. 
when you spend time gaining the trust of your audience, they will buy what you say, right? They will buy what you say. So how do you build trust in your audience? You show up every single day and add value to people by helping them to solve their problems. Like that's what I do every day. I also have a very high personal touch when it comes to my social media. If you are DMing me on Instagram, it is literally me answering you. I have Instagram conversations that go back five, seven years of people who have been following me this whole time and they just reach out and chat. And I really make it a point to answer every message. And I have staff that helps me on Facebook Messenger, but I've always had a my doors wide open policy. I was not. I'm not like Beyonce and too cool to follow anybody. I actually want a community here. And so, yeah, very find ways to monetize everything. And so affiliate marketing is one. Network marketing is also a piece of that income. We do ads on our podcasts. We do ads on our blogs. We do. So I'm trying to decide whether or not to sell my soul back to Amazon because I was an Amazon influencer and really brought in great money doing it. And because I wrote a blog about nutraceuticals that can help people to recover from COVID, they told me I was spreading misinformation and fired me without reason. And they've been begging wow. me to come back. I know they're such juggernaut jerks, right? They don't care at all. And I was talking with my Facebook account representative yesterday because I get flagged a lot for like misinformation. And yep. I think it's getting better because federal courts have ordered the Biden administration to stop having meetings with social media managers about censorship. It's a thing. And I don't know if you guys saw, but RFK testified in Congress yesterday and this meeting was called together. I didn't even know this was a thing until yesterday by it's a committee. It's like a subcommittee on the weaponization of the government. There is literally a committee that our Congress people and senators serve on about how do we prevent the weaponization of the federal government? It's the original intention of the Second Amendment. Okay. So anyways, it's like, how does, how did, how does the populace say, no, you don't get to behave this way, government. Okay. Yeah. And I was talking to my Facebook rep about it because I was like, look, you guys flag misinformation and I am literally a pharmacist reading you a package insert. Like, Everything has risks and benefits, right? And it's absurd that we are in a moment where oftentimes the only facts that get presented about medications, about vaccines, and about supplements and natural products is all sunshine and rainbows. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. And encouraging conversations. If ever somebody reaches out from one of these major social media platforms and is like, do you want to have a meeting? I'm like, yep, sure do. I don't know mm -hmm. you. You don't know me, but you probably worked there a week and a half, but yep, sure do. Every single touch point that I have been offered throughout my career, I just said yes. I just said yes. And back to monetization. So affiliate marketing, network marketing, podcast ads, blog ads, paid speaking. I also earn money through and I also coach people on branding. So people will hire me to help redo their websites. And yeah, I've been doing it for so long that I can almost do it in my <laughs> sleep at this point. If you 
Yeah, if you tell me who you are, and listeners, if you have not read every single piece of content that Donald Miller has ever put out, get back to it. That dude is a marketing genius. He will change the way you think about business, about marketing, about sales forever and always. He's extraordinary. And he he is the one that taught me to be sure that you're solving people's problems, right? That you got to solve people's problems. If you want to drive sales, you solve people's problems. That's why some of the most successful entrepreneurs that we've ever seen, they solve their own personal problem and then give it to other people. Yeah, absolutely. I think, especially me coming from a tech background, that's like tech 101. Don't get Mm -hmm. excited about a solution. And I think the personal branding parallel to that is don't just hype yourself up. Don't just try to show people how cool you are. Think about the person you're trying to support. What are all their pain points? How do you actually add that value? And I think, especially if you want to differentiate yourself, how can you build trust with that audience in a way that they actually, you're not just another voice communicating another random headline with no depth. How do you go the extra mm-hmm. mile to be a trustworthy voice that's really standing out amongst the crowd? Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. I love that. You've done so much and you achieved so much in your career and you have so much going on. In my mind, I'm like, cool, how do we, I want to be able to unpack your brain and how you think about some of these things for people who might be a little earlier in their journey. So my question for you is, if you were starting over on this path of wellness today, just about to create your first Instagram account or maybe like a year into it, really trying to find your footing, haven't had a big break with social growth or anything. What would you choose assessing the landscape today? Like, how would you go about growing your business if you had to start over in 2023? I would start exactly where I started years and years ago. One of the, when I've really started thinking of myself as a brand, when I really started saying, okay, you have this big voice, you have this big name, make something of it. I got a great piece of advice and I will share it with your audience because I would do this exact same exercise again. I want you to sit down and think of 10 words that you would be honored to have anybody call you. If somebody came up to you and said, oh my gosh, you are so this and you would stop in your tracks and just be genuinely overwhelmed with gratitude write down those words. And so I still, to this day, keep them on my phone and I go back and reassess from time to time, like, is this still who I am? Is this still how I want to be perceived? And oftentimes I go through and I'm just like, yes, this is still right on point. And then other times I'm just like, Maybe that's changed a little bit. Is there another word? And so you can always change out your words. And so, yeah, here we go. I've got it here on my phone saved. If you walked up to me and were like, Lindsay, you are so smart. You are so passionate. You are so inspiring. You are so strong. You're so creative. You're so audacious. You're so sassy. You're so beautiful. You're so Mm. spiritual. You're so sensitive. Like, I would be honored to have anybody say any of those things like all in one sentence yes please and thank you so whatever those words are for you write those words down and then make every single piece of your content embody some piece of this right so you don't come to my feed because you want a meek and mild woman who's going to teach you about great 
ways to cook and eat. Like, I, I know that woman. She's amazing. Her name's mm -hmm. Vivian Chan, and you guys should all go follow her. And she is just soft-spoken. She's gentle. She's kind. No, you're coming to my feed because you want an audacious, smart, sassy bitch to teach you something, right? <laughs> and so that's my, that's a good compass. Another thing to keep in mind is you can only do three things on social media. There's only three things you can do on social media. You can educate people about something. You can entertain people or you can inspire them, right? So education, I, I just came across a TikTok feed. It's like the Roman helmet guy. I go down a rabbit hole with this guy because he just teaches so much cool, unknown history. You can teach people. I saw a TikTok yesterday about the most remote inhabited islands in the world. Okay. I want to learn that stuff. I don't know why, but so cooking channels are all about this as well. The entertainment, you think of comedy sketches. You think of whose line is it anyways. You think of how popular Matt Reif has become on social media. And then the inspiration, can we get to the good part, right? That sound was everywhere because people want to see glamorous home makeovers and beautiful backyards and... There's subcategories in all of these of your ASMRs and all of the super satisfying stuff. Pets can fall into the entertainment. So you have to make sure if you are making a post that doesn't educate, entertain, or inspire somebody, it's not going to get any engagement. You either have to teach people something, do something catchy and entertaining, or you have to be inspiring. And I try to do all three. I do educational entertainment most of the time, but occasionally I get down a spiritual rabbit hole and, you know, it, and it, and my, my experience with religion at this point is so vast and diverse because I went to a really diverse pharmacy school where I had friends of so many different faiths that taught me lots of things. I was raised Christian and still am a Christian. So I've got that litany. Then I have the entirety of my knowledge of yoga as well, of the importance of meditation, the importance of connecting to something greater than yourself. And it's, I think that people who have some sort of spiritual connection have rich lives. They have purpose. And you don't have to have spirituality, listeners. I'm not telling you to go and convert or whatever. But <laughs> find your purpose. Find your purpose and allow your purpose to grow and expand over time and give wholeheartedly in service to other people, helping them to solve their problems. And you will build a brand. I love that. I really do. I got the I actually got the chills when you were talking about the yoga thing. I resonate very much deeply myself. I was raised Lutheran and it was great. Like a lot of I personally nowadays I would go to a non-denominational church. Like I totally resonate with that. But also I got very much into yoga, did yoga teacher training. And like for me, it's like I don't even try to put a box or a frame or language around spirituality. But personally, it served me infinitely in my own life. So I can imagine that, especially in the modern world, people if people are sucked into their phones on Instagram, spending a lot of time on technology, burnt out from their jobs, it's just very refreshing to be reminded of some of these principles and things that we can have in our life outside of just like the stay healthy, take care of your rituals, but really have that spiritual foundation as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that spirituality is a part of health. I think spiritual health is a part of health. And it plays itself out and manifests in so many ways. You can be racked with guilt and shame and all the things, or you can just say, wow, I am, I am here for a purpose. I am here for a purpose and to give and to expand and to grow and forgive. And so I think that when you don't have a, a spiritually healthy life, you, you're just missing one piece of it. If you can have physical health, you can have mental health, but spiritual health is also a piece of it too. And I truly think it doesn't have to be about like a connection with God or whatever, but it's that innate thing inside of you that makes you want to be a good person. Lean into that. Where does that come from? Lean into there and lean into how do I take the best of me and share it and serve others? I love it. Very well said. I'm curious, you talked a bit about this progress you're making in functional medicine. So is that something you're currently doing? Are you currently coaching others like Lily as a licensed medical practitioner? Is that something you're working on? And how does that fit into, because we talk about a lot of these things that are missing or like things that people want and desire with our current ecosystem. I'm curious, like how does that fit into the model of this social ecosystem you built? And Honestly, also, what are people coming to you? Like, what do you feel like you have a very close pulse on this? What are the biggest needs that your audience has when it comes to their health? The biggest needs that they have is most of the time they are at their wits end. They can't figure out what's wrong with them. And they've been gaslit over the course of years being told like, oh, that's just normal. Women are told that all the time. Oh, that's just normal. Oh, that's just aging. No, it's actually not normal to put on 20 pounds during menopause. That's not a normal thing. It's common, but it's not normal, right? Oh, diabetes is inevitable. Get out of here with that noise. Don't be bringing that to my doorstep. And so I think that people have been gaslit and then they don't know what's wrong. And they're looking for somebody to give them a simple down-to-earth opinion, right? There are a ton of people looking for magic bullets and we don't play that game because there are no magic bullets and the white knight is not coming. And so people come to me because this sounds really basic. And some people like even just earlier today, somebody was like, you're so belittling to people. And I was like, no, I'm not belittling people at all. I am actually just saying there's one solution to help, right? How can everybody be healthy? You have to care about yourself enough to do the work. You have to love, you have to find your worthiness. You have to find, why do I love myself enough to do the things that we know we need to do? So in functional medicine, there's eight root causes of disease. Stress, toxins and toxicants, allergens, antigens, and, and antibodies. And then you have infections and infestations and dysbiosis, nutrient excess and nutrient deficiencies. And then you have sedentarism, sociogenomics, and sleep, sleep disruptions, right? So you can remember that it's the acronym is STAIN, right? So what do you do to get healthy? 
stress less, avoid toxins and toxicants, and actively get them out of your home and your body. Don't avoid allergenic foods. Don't overeat. Be sure that you're getting enough nutrition out of your food. And if not, you're supplementing with a multiple vitamin or lots and lots of different vitamins. Don't, don't balk at working out. Go work out. Go work out. Sleep. Go to bed at night. Just go to bed at night. I don't know why this is so complex. And then the last one is sociogenomics. Maybe you want to work on, most of us are blessed. We don't live in a food desert. So maybe you go and serve an area that is a food desert and improve the sociogenomics of somebody else's, of somebody else's life. Maybe you want to do your genetic testing and find out if you have risk factors or if you're not metabolizing things as you should. Maybe you want to check that out, or maybe you just want to take a step back and go, less than 5% of disease actually comes from genes. 95% of disease comes from lifestyle choices. And so we have to get to a point where you go, all right, people come to me and they want the magic bullet. They're like, I have PCOS and I have this and I have that. And what do you think of, oh God, if one more person asked me what I think of Wagovi or Ozempic, I'm like, you know what I think about those drugs? I think the pharmaceutical industry purchased the media and taught you those words. It used to be that people knew so little about medications. You had to have the advice of your doctor and pharmacist in order to make an informed decision. Now, because we, the United States is one of only two countries in the world that allows direct-to-consumer advertising for medications. The only other one is New Zealand. And New Zealand did it fundamentally differently than the United States. In the United States, what do we see commercials for? The newest and most expensive drugs that the companies are manufacturing, okay? Most of which have not been compared to cheap generic medications to see if they work even better, right? Mm -hmm. You think of Humira, the most, the richest drug in drug history, right? More units of Humira have been sold. It's never been shown to be any more effective than a drug that is, oh my God, 50 years old and dirt cheap called methotrexate in helping symptoms of RA. Wow. Because we test against placebo. We test against placebo. <laughs> this is why we have to get it out of our head that placebo-controlled trials are the gold standard. They are not anymore. We need to be comparing new expensive medications to cheap generics that have been used for 15, 20 years to treat the same disease. If you can't show me that your multi-billion dollar drug can outperform this drug that costs pennies, Americans deserve the drug that costs pennies, unless there are significant safety benefits to the newer medication. But oftentimes there aren't. And there's a whole story on insulin price manipulation that we could go down a rabbit hole with, but we'll save some stories for another day. And I totally forgot where I was going with this. What was your question? <laughs> I think initially what was even my question? I don't even know because conversation went to a really great place. So we'll just, just we can just keep it rolling from there. And I actually, I was just going to say, I think we should just jump into this specifically even deeper because for me, my frame on my health journey, I think one, there's a really great point to what you said. That's like really getting people converted to a self-concept that is, I care about my health. And then it's almost a snowball effect. So if you can get over that hurdle of working out is too hard, it's really scary. And you can get into just like a mindset of ownership and of 
one rep at a time and you can just show up at the gym and it can be horrible, but you went to the gym. So you're celebrating the fact that you tried, but I think eventually it just snowballs and you want to do everything to invest in your health and you really care and it becomes your identity and it brings you joy. So I, I really think that's a fantastic approach to just helping people move that needle. But even for me in my approach, and even one thing I didn't share is I actually spent six years, my first six years in my career, I did technology development for United Health Group. So I was literally responsible for, I was running the mobile apps that people are using to be part of the big, one of the biggest healthcare networks that there are. And it was really depressing to review the feedback we'd get on our products because they're like, what the heck? Literally last time the app, I, I ordered my medication through you guys. It was $50. Now it's $375. Explain to me why. And then we're told to just sweep that under the rug and don't even address it. And just, hey, this is just how it is. Sorry. Really agree with you that the healthcare system is broken in so many ways. And I think a curiosity question that I have, because the way I've approached my own healthcare is just preventative health. Just go all in on get your blood testing, go to the gym, work out, be really healthy. So I have a fundamental belief that I'm healthy. But I also, even working in the healthcare system for as long as I did, I barely even understand how to navigate it if I wanted to for my own, for my own use. So I would love to hear your perspective on this. What can and should people be doing? Of course, do all the preventative things like take ownership over your health, but like how can someone from an empowered place engage with the healthcare system? What should they be? How can they be validating if they're even speaking to the right type of doctor? Is there a subset of the type of person you should go talk to? Because there's, of course, so many issues with going to your traditional primary care provider and getting a seven minute appointment where they barely scratch the surface with you. And then even how can and should people question the type of recommendations they're getting on treatment? Yeah, absolutely. So I encourage everybody to seek lots of opinions, right? Seek lots of interventions. Don't just go to the Western medicine doc, go to the Western medicine doc and the acupuncturist and the herbalist and the chiropractor and the functional medicine doc, right? And just go explore and see when you find a practitioner who you feel like values you and listens to you, right? I also think we do need Western medicine. Western medicine has some great stuff as far as there's still debate and diagnostic techniques. I go through it on my podcast with Dr. Otis Browley, a former president of the American Cancer Society. And we talk about like the discrepancies in research about diagnostic techniques. But I'm like, do the things, right? Do the colonoscopy and go do a colonics. Like, just go find your groove. You can look at ifm.org. They have loads of different practitioners listed. And most of the practitioners that I've found within IFM, they're very similarly minded to me. They're not going to say it's an all Western approach or it's an all alternative approach. It's the best of both. Like, how do we pick what is going to make the best the best impact on this patient. That's the important stuff. So I just encourage people to explore and don't feel like that if you don't find the right answer first, that you can't do something different. I love that. So it's really just like a lot of things in life and in business. It's almost a numbers game. Spread, cast your net wide, get a lot of different perspectives and that'll help you find the middle line essentially and interpret everything and at least weigh pros and cons between your different options. Sure. Love that. Very cool. Awesome. Really have appreciated this conversation. We've gotten to cover a really interesting breadth of different topics from social media to really how you manage your own healthcare experience. 
for anyone listening who really has enjoyed the tip of the iceberg that we've had here as part of the conversation, what are the best way for people to get engaged with you and find their way into your world? Absolutely. I'm shamelessly easy to find on online. So if you just look up Dr. Lindsay Elmore, you'll find lindsayelmore.com. You'll find at Lindsay Elmore on Instagram and Facebook, Dr. Lindsay Elmore on Pinterest and TikTok. And please come and listen to the podcast. I have some absolutely fascinating conversations with clinicians, academicians, journalists, New York Times bestselling authors, and and attorneys. And so I, I love having these kinds of conversations at a very high level about health and wellness and how can people reverse their diseases, as well as how do we wrangle back control over the pharmaceutical industry? Because somebody needs to. I love it. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. We'll link all that down in the show notes so people can go check out your podcast, check out your website, your TikTok, Instagram, all the awesome things. And just yeah. honestly, I learned a ton from you here today. You're clearly so passionate and educated. Yeah, just really appreciate everything. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you.